Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which engages us is the gospel lesson read previously. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, it's probably happened to each of us at one time or another. We reach for our cell phone and it isn't there. Or we reach for our wallet and it isn't there. Or we reach for a set of keys, and it isn't there. Immediately there's that empty feeling, that sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. And your pulse begins to increase as you get increasingly alarmed. And you begin to think, where did I last see it? What was I doing when I last saw it? What have I done since then? And what am I going to do if I can't find it? Well, fortunately, the vast majority of times, there is relief and there is rejoicing as that important item in your life is found. Your pulse rate comes back down again and you are no longer alarmed. In fact, there may be a smile on your face as that which was lost is found. Well, our gospel lesson for today deals with the topic of lost and found. But much more important than a lost cell phone or a lost wallet or a lost set of keys, our gospel lesson deals with people who are lost. Our gospel lesson features Jesus going to Jerusalem for the final time. And he knows what awaits him there, namely crucifixion and death. And yet, in spite of that, all the way to Jerusalem, he is reaching out to people, to lost people, to people who know they are lost and to others who don't realize that they are lost. Our gospel lesson begins with people whom the scribes and the Pharisees would certainly consider to be lost, tax collectors and sinners. The tax collectors were seen by God's people as traitors. They were people who were collecting taxes for the Romans who ruled over God's people. And the sinners? Well, in addition to being notorious public sinners, the scribes and the Pharisees would also consider the poor, the lame, and the blind to be sinners. Their thinking was, if they're in this condition, they must have sinned seriously and be in this condition as a result, a position that we would never hold today. These people, the tax collectors and the sinners, are drawing near to Jesus. Why? Luke says because they want to hear him, opening the door for their own repentance and trusting in Jesus Christ and being welcomed into the kingdom. And then there's the other group, the scribes and the Pharisees. And all they can do in our gospel lesson is grumble and complain. Why? They say, this man, Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. In biblical times, eating with someone was very significant. It meant that you agreed with them. You were one with them. And the Pharisees in particular had a strict code of table fellowship, who they would eat with and who they definitely would not eat with. 
and tax collectors and sinners were people they would never eat with. And so, tax collectors and sinners are coming to hear Jesus. Scribes and Pharisees are grumbling and complaining. And it's in this context that Jesus tells the two parables in our gospel lesson for today. A parable is simply a story that Jesus composes using earthly details, things that people would see around them each and every day, in order to teach his hearers and us something significant about life in the kingdom of God. In the first parable, there are 100 sheep. 99 of them are safe and secure, but one of them is lost. And Jesus says in that context, which one of you wouldn't leave the 99 and go after the lost sheep? Now in Bible times, a flock of 100 sheep would demand more than one shepherd. So by going off and searching for that lost sheep, that one shepherd isn't leaving the 99 in peril. And fortunately, in the parable, that shepherd finds the lost sheep puts it over his shoulders and brings it back to the flock, and there is great rejoicing because that which was lost is found once again. In the second parable, there is also something that is lost. In this case, it's a coin, a drachma. And in this parable also, there is extensive searching for that which is lost. The woman who is lost in her home lights a lamp and diligently sweeps her floor until she finds that lost coin. And again, there is a great deal of rejoicing. Notice the pattern in each of the parables. Lost, found, rejoicing. Now let's unpack these two parables That which is lost in both of these parables, the sheep and the lost coin, represents unrepentant sinners who are not yet in the kingdom of God. And the person searching for those lost sheep right in our gospel lesson is none other than Jesus himself. Or we could say God in general. And being found is being found by God. Repenting of your sin, believing in Jesus Christ, and being welcomed into the kingdom as one of his children. And the inference is clear that the only appropriate response when this happens is rejoicing, not grumbling and complaining. As Jesus says in the gospel lesson, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. Or we might say, in light of the scribes and the Pharisees, think they need no repentance. Now let me ask you this question. What determines whether someone is lost or found? There can only be one factor, and that is a person's relationship with Jesus Christ. If anyone is outside of Jesus Christ, he or she, by definition, is lost. And on the contrary, if someone is in Jesus Christ, trusting and believing in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin and everlasting life, he or she is, by definition, 
found. And so in our gospel lesson, who is really lost and who is really found? The tax collectors and the sinners are certainly well on their way to being found. They are there with a desire to hear Jesus, which certainly could lead to their repentance, their trusting in Jesus, and their being brought into the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees, who certainly felt no need of repentance and certainly no need of Jesus, at least at that point, are among the lost. And now let me ask you the big question. Where do you see yourself in these two parables? First of all, may God shield and guard us against any self-righteous thought that we have no need of repentance. We know that we sin daily in our thoughts, our words, and our deeds, and so we are in need of repentance. And may God also shield and guard us against any self-righteous, arrogant feeling, conceited feeling, condescending feeling toward those who are lost, as if there was something inherently better in us than in them. In fact, if we believe what Scripture says about us, each one of us here today can say that there was a time when we were lost. There was a time in our existence when we were outside the kingdom ourselves. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 that by our very nature we are children of wrath conceived and born under the wrath of God. Each one of us at one point was among the lost. But fortunately, we have a Savior who does not only welcome sinners and eat with them, but actually searches for them and seeks them out. That's why he came to this earth to live amongst us, to seek and to save that which was lost. And to do so, he became lost himself, voluntarily taking on himself all of our sin so that he's hung on that cross, his own father forsook him in our place. He voluntarily became lost for you so that you may be found. And it was in your baptism that God found you. There through water and word, the Holy Spirit found you, washed away all of your sin, and welcomed you as a member of the kingdom of God. And isn't it wonderful to think that just as we have rejoicing here on this earth when a baptism takes place, we know from our gospel lesson that there is also rejoicing in heaven and before the face of the angels. On the very day of your baptism, as a result of what God worked in you, there was rejoicing not only here, but in heaven and in the presence of the angels. Back on January 12 in the year 2010, there was a massive earthquake that hit the island of Haiti. So massive was it that many of the buildings and houses simply collapsed. 
and there were many, many people missing. Among those people missing was an eight-day-old infant. The mother explains that she was on the second floor of her house feeding her eight-day-old baby boy and finished feeding him and laid him down for a nap and then went downstairs to the first floor of the house. And that's when the earthquake struck, crumbling the house into a pile of ruin. For day after painstaking day, the rescue workers very carefully and methodically took away layer after layer of rubble, searching for that lost infant. And then, miraculously, on the seventh day of the search, that baby boy was found alive. Can you imagine the rejoicing amongst the workers and the parents as this baby that they thought was dead was found alive? The grandfather is quoted as saying, everyone knew that baby was dead except the Lord. Well, friends in Christ, today you and I are God's rescue workers. We are his search party in this present day and age. And just as Jesus on the way to Jerusalem was reaching out to those who are lost, so we today are his agents, his instruments to reach out to those who are lost. And as a result, we pray for them often. We show them compassion and kindness, as many are our own friends or perhaps even our own relatives. And as opportunities arise, we speak to them about the love that God has for them and what that love has moved him to do for them and for all people in and through Jesus Christ. Or maybe something as simple as inviting them to the What We Believe class, the new sessions beginning on October 1, and maybe even offering to attend with them. In these and various ways, may God continue to use us, both as individuals and collectively as a congregation, to rescue people from the sin-ruined rubble of this world so that their mind continue to be much rejoicing both here and in heaven. May God so grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guide our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.